coach, broadcaster, and video game impresario, John Madden. I get every game from every angle uh, every week. Why do you want to do that? Just because uh, just you're crazy? <laughs> None other than Deion Sanders Prime. I have three to four suits with me, and I'm having a problem to choose between the cream, which is a cusser. What I mean by cusser, Rich, when you see me, you're going to use profanity. That's how clean this suit is. <laughs> My official movie reviewer, Jim Moore. She's a fox. If there's a fox in the movies right now, Myla Kunis is it. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Bud Light. I am Rich Eisen, getting set for week number eight. Can't believe it's the middle of the season coming up right now. Uh, And lots to talk about here on this show. We already did one earlier in the week that we encourage you to download, please. Uh, Steve Weich of NFL.com, NFL Network fame. He he was at the Terrell Owens workout. One of the uh, few individuals who were there. there. That's Chris Brockman, the television producer of the podcast. Chris Law, say hello. Might as well go ahead. Hello, Hello, everybody. (laughs) That was kind of weak. And that's Mike Del Tufo (laughs) on the the mic. Why uh, why did you just wave, Mike? This is audio. That's right. It's audio only. That's okay. No, Mike. No, you know what? You are Mike. You're an outgoing guy. Yeah. You're you're gregarious type. T.O. is on my team now in fantasy football. Let's let's explain Already. again for, for everybody uh, who's listening right now and can't see the Mike Del Tufo wave. Um, Mike, again, is wearing NFL gear that he did not pay for. Um, you've got a Super Bowl forty five shirt that, that that looks like it came from from the gift bag, right? That they give to all NFL employees. Mm, yeah, that came know, from yeah. that came from the bag. Yeah, didn't it? Didn't yes, it? yes, the NFL hat, just the plain old shield, the black hat with the NFL shield on it. How old is that hat? Oh, I have about twenty five of these though. They, I have different ones. Oh. Yeah. Is it? Is there one? Is this? Is this your Wednesday one? Yes. I mean, how this do is you, a Wednesday I mean, one. They're, you, they're marked with a little marker each day. I change them up. He's also See, I'm looking one. at you. I don't know if that's true. Is that true? Or are you just joking? No, I'm joking about that. But I do. I do I actually, that's I believable. I do He's also the only NFL player I see wearing shorts I'm, ever. I, the best joke ever, Kobe Bryant. This is our joke that we always say, me and Bardia. Bardia always says, there's only two people in America that are allowed to wear shorts to work every day, you and Kobe Bryant. That's right. <laughs> and although, although, those are sort of shants, though. Yeah. Sh- those are shant-like. I think they're zip-offs. They turn into pants. <laughs> is that what they are? Uh, uh, Kara Henderson, who loves the word chance, I think she's the one who I just ripped off one of her lines. She keeps saying that you, you wear the chance. Um, she was on the uh, podcast, returning the podcast earlier in the week. And, um, and uh, Jason Wormser, the worm of Fox Soccer, uh, the big good. giant fan who used to work here. He helped launch this podcast all last year. He made his triumphant return to the show. That's in, also on richeisen.nfl.com and iTunes. And uh, that was a short segment because uh, what you're about to hear was sort of jammed together. Um, it was quite a, quite a tape schedule we had this week. Uh, on the show, Arian Foster of the Houston Texans. He's going to lead things off. He, um, he had quite a, a day on uh, on Sunday, and that helped you out, right, Brockman? I have him on four fantasy teams. Really? I'm jealous. How do you get him? How how can you possibly have the drafting position in four leagues to be one, able to get him in the one first was round? A, one was a keeper league. I okay. had him the last year. Okay. And the other three leagues, 
just got a top four pick in all four. Was very fortunate. You got a top four pick in three leagues. And what uh, people? Some people took Jamal Charles before him. Right, Jamal Charles, Ray Rice, I think, also went. Yeah, because he had that whole uh, hamstring thing in the preseason. Right, the, so the anti awesome, anti awesomeness. He was. Right. Uh, people were people were passing on him, so I gladly scooped him up. Right. Finally paying off. We'll talk about all that with him. Thank you, Arian. Mooch and I took down Marshall this week because of Arian Foster. We, we share yeah. the co-GM. I went uh, down this week uh, to Sap. That's a tough one to take because he he's got like this general manager that, that manages his team for him. You're a general manager for Mooch, right? Yeah, I, I'm I, taking I, you on this week. You're two and five. <laughs> I'm rough. Um, and uh, it's, it's just tough. It's tough because I've got a three-year-old and an eight-month-old at home. Uh, this is this is going to sound like an excuse, but it's a 12-team league, too, which is tough. So uh, I've got 11 other people out there. I think Kurt Warner's his own person. Fabiano, obviously. Yeah. Who else is doing it? Al- Elliot, Alex Elliot. Flanagan is killing our league. She is. Well, last year she was terrible. I mean, she oh, was really? awful Maybe last year. She I barely had a single win last year. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm... So, I mean, it's like regular football from year to year. You never know. Yeah. But at any rate, I mean, um, his general manager must not sleep. It's like every single person who has half a decent week, he picks him up. DeMarco Murray. Yeah, I know. That's, that's why I lost. But I picked up Murray in three of uh, other leagues. Nice. I picked him up two weeks ago. You think he can do it? I kind of feel like he's a one-hit one no, wonder. No, sir. No? No, sir. He looks like Foster to me. Really? Like, yeah, like a big dude, one cut, right downhill in your mouth. And Didn't I Mike think- Mayock say he hasn't made anyone miss since high school? Is that what he said? I feel like he said that at the combine. He made a few people combine. miss. I'll tell you no, what. he was amazing. I know the Rams are, are in dire straits right now, but we'll see. I mean, he goes against the Eagles this week. I think he's for real, for sure. Uh, yeah, I do too. He's great at Oklahoma. Okay. Why not, though? Right? I mean, Arian Foster again. Who we're gonna we're gonna speak to. Um, he undrafted. He had a hamstring problem at the combine. Didn't even work out at the combine. Wound up on the Texans practice squad. Finally got uh, some action. Then in week seventeen of '09, had a very nice performance going out the door. And then week one of last year, he hasn't looked back since. And, been- and why can't DeMarco Murray be that, right? I mean, it's – I don't know if he's the two-way uh, threat that Foster is, but DeMarco looked great. I mean, he was running – he was running – he was one cut, and he was making decisions and sticking with it and, and, and hitting people at the end. That was great. Jerry Jones loves Felix Jones, though, that Arkansas connection. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, Felix Jones can't stay healthy. It's true. What about the play calling in Dallas? Well, it's certainly straightened out. And and we talked about this with Weich, too, the end of the Packers-Vikings game. Oh, yeah. Packers were in the same situation. It was the same situation. All they needed to do is just move the chains a couple of times. The game was over on Minnesota. And they ran the ball three times with Starks. They picked it up easily. Two first downs, game over. And, of course, nobody's sitting there going, why would Mike McCarthy not put the ball in the hands of his MVP quarterback? You know what I mean? So it's like it's the typical example of if it works out, you look great. If it doesn't, you look like a fool. And um, and it worked out. Everything's working for the Packers right now. They look really, really good. Now, defensively, obviously, you can score points on them. Christian Ponder, his first career game, went up top. Looked pretty to good. Michael Jenkins, yeah, first, first uh, he's it was almost a touchdown. He's got to get in. I know he's out at the half-yard line. Oh. Well, you have Michael Jenkins? Or ponder? I don't have. I don't have. Oh, either, you don't have like a dog kid, in the hunt. The, I the see. Kid's what you're first career pass. That I know that would have been pretty it's cool. Like home run, Matt Ryan-esque. Matt Ryan esque. Matt Ryan had. They got one to uh, to Shanko two two plays later anyway. Um, so we'll talk about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars with 
um, Arian Foster. So that's coming up on, on the yeah. podcast. Uh, we'll talk uh, quite a bit with. I also want to know about Andre Johnson. I have him in one fantasy league. He's killing you. You want to know who's killing me? Chris Johnson. He's killing me. And and this is a big week for Chris Johnson. They play the Indianapolis Colts, who has been the uh, slippery rock for most of the league. I mean, what happened this past Sunday night, the worst blowout since the merger on Sunday night football with the whole country watching. I mean, that was dreadful. And now here they come to Tennessee, which is normally a big game for the Colts because of Peyton Manning's pedigree. And, um, and the Titans just got their butts kicked by Arian Foster and Chris Johnson at 18 yards rushing. Coming off the bye, it's like, hey, listen, if you're going to sit there and demand your money Play. year after year after year after, you know, month after month, obviously hasn't been in that, that, that long. If you're going to demand your money and sit out, and then when you get your money, this is what happens in your first six games, that's unacceptable. And I, I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm lending voice not just to all fantasy owners that have Chris Johnson. It's more than just that, obviously. I mean, you know, I mean, what's the scoop with that? He doesn't look. He, he's not. He's not running confident. There are even some people think that he. You know, I'm, I'm reading that uh, he's turning down hits, contact. I mean, what's up with that? This is it. This is a big game for Chris Johnson. I'll tell you what. He's got a. You know, obviously, if the team wins defensively, and it's just going to be another week where everyone's wondering. And and if Javon Ringer's sitting there raising his hand, I mean, and I don't care how much money you're paying Chris Johnson, you got to go with somebody who's going to run the football. Now, the question is, is it the offensive line? Because Ringer has like a three-yard per carry. Chris Johnson is worse than that. So is it the line? Is it him? I don't know. You know? And um, I I was going to say bigger. Is this a bigger game for the Colts and Jim Caldwell? No. No. Is he on the hot seat? No. I don't know. If they continue to lose by 50 points, he would be. Didn't Ursay say, though, there's been some trestle rumors, and he shot those down pretty quick? Yeah. (laughs) Please. Trestle rumors. You lose then, like possibly Who's the, the one, one starter. Trestle rumors. Does Bill Cowher coach that, that team that with Andrew Luck? Please, he's a consultant for them. I mean, I know he's there. he's yeah, up but... there. He's up there letting Jim Caldwell know whether or not he should challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no way. And 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 as to. we all know, college and pros are completely different, which is a perfect segue because we have John Calipari on this show, Kentucky basketball coach. How about that? We're going we're going off the board here a little bit which I like to do on the podcast. He's a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan. He's from the city of Pittsburgh. And um, obviously his season's about to get started. They just had their Midnight Madness a couple weeks ago. Oh, I miss that. Yeah. I love Midnight Madness. And um, College Hoops is the only game in town for well, the round ball. Well, what I'd love, what I want to ask him is a few things, not just talk some ball with him, but, you know, the only other sport where the coaches shake hands after the game is college basketball, really. Yes. In America, you know, the NBA, they don't. They just walk down the tunnel. I, I got to ask him about the handshake. And, of course, also the, the, the jump from college to pros. He was a New Jersey Nets coach, and, um, you know, that didn't work out. He went back to college where clearly he's, he's more suited to the game. And then lastly, Michael Wilbon uh, from the worldwide leader in sports. <laughs> you are watching Pardon the Interruption. Brought to you by... Mike Del Tufo's free shirt and hat. <laughs> um, uh, Will Bond just celebrated the 10th anniversary of Pardon the Interruption. It's a great show. I love that show. I'll tell you what, man. And uh, it's uh, it's the best show on ESPN. 
It's Hands great. Down. Those two together, they're 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 awesome. Perfect. They're awesome. And then you know when others sit in for them, it's obviously not the same because of the the relationship these two guys have. But the construct itself, yeah. everybody is now got the rundown down the side of the screen. We do it. Everybody, yep. Everybody, does. everybody. Sports Center started started uh, doing that a few years ago. Everybody yep. in sports does that now. And that came from PTI. It came from, I mean, it was groundbreaking and uh, still is. And it's it's great. It's yeah. a great show. And Michael and it, Wilbon It hasn't is, gotten tired like a lot of other shows. Well, you know why? I, I think, again, it is, it is, it's the two guys. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's just like we sit around and we BS and we go after each other. And everybody does that, right? Friends right. do that all the time. And you see two friends who, who come from different uh, points of view. And then the producers uh, of the show. Uh, Eric Rideholm, who helped create it and was the creator of it. And then uh, uh, the producer who line produces, his name is Matt Kelleher. Uh, I worked with him at ESPN years ago. I don't know if you remember, if anybody out there remembers, uh, when the Blair Witch Project came out. Oh, I just saw that last night. There you go. Did you really? Yes, it was actually. I, I, did, a, um, I did a spoof called the Witch Bear Project okay. years ago for Sports Center because this is when the Bears had a sort of a carousel at quarterback Eric Kramer and Steve right. Walsh and all that so it was we we went to the woods in West Hartford <laughs> with a camera and uh, a Bears media guide looking for the the bear quarterbacks in the woods and we did a whole nice. spoof on it calling it the witch bear project and uh, the producer of it was a, a fellow named Matt Kelleher who um who then left to go start being involved with a show that was called pardon the interruption that was with two Washington Post columnists, one of whom, both of them, who I read for for years because they were syndicated. Right. Tony Kornheiser and yep. and Michael Wilbon, and look what that has become. It's unbelievable. It's a gold standard. Yeah, a must watch every day broadcast. And like I said, the producers behind the scenes come up with fun ways to keep things fresh. You know, dress them up, and it does it, it doesn't jump the shark ever. No, it's great. And uh, Michael is obviously one of the more. Uh, respected uh, voices and uh, analysts and opinionators, if you will, in, in all of sports. And I can't wait to have him phone in to the podcast later on. So let's get to it. Let's get started. Pleased to have now on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light, one of the more prolific running backs in the game today, if not the best running back in the game today. I've uh, been wanting to chat with him for some time as well because I enjoy following you on Twitter. And also, uh, like him, I'm a two-way threat. So we've got a lot in common. Arian Foster joining me on Texas Cam. How are you, Arian? I'm doing well, Rich. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Are you, you're not curious as to how I'm a two-way threat, or you're just going to figure I'm, that I'm out? Think, I'm thinking TV and radio, is it? Yes, yes, TV, well, podcasting, which I guess is sort of radio-like. You so know? You're, you're, a triple, you're a triple threat then, because you, yes, you do I radio am. too. Yes, you're All right. You're right. I'm, I'm, I'm actually selling myself short, so I, I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate yeah, don't that. Do that. No. Don't do that. <laughs> no, never do that. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations on your success so far, and, um, and I'd love to chat with you about what, what feeds your fire, Arian, um, I, I, I fell in love with this game when I was a little kid, and I, uh, I always told myself I wouldn't be motivated by anything else other than trying to be the best me I could be. And uh, I really enjoy this game and everything that it does for, you know, for the people that watch it, and and, and you know myself, it's a lot, it's like a life teacher. Uh, so I really that's that's really my motivation, man. It's just really my passion for the game. What is what does it teach you about life? This game. 
you know, that, that things aren't always going to go your way, uh, first and foremost. Uh, second of all, you got to set goals, uh, you know, m metaphorically, i.e. the goal line. Uh, you know, and, and you're not going to get there by yourself. You always need help along the way. And, and you know, sometimes, like I said, things aren't going to go your way. But, you know, you, you keep keep plugging and, and one day it will. What was it like for you, uh, Arian, when the draft went and you didn't hear your name and that was preceded by a combine that you were not physically able to perform at because of a hamstring injury? What was that time like between, I guess, the, 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 the minute that you were done at Tennessee and the draft it was tough it was really tough you know uh, especially because you know you have uh all your family there and and you know they're they're not they're, they're kind of there for you you know uh and they're you know you see the looks on their faces and they're upset for you and you're upset and it's just uh the whole time was really tough but um you know you can't throw any pity parties i've learned in my life you know <laughs> I, I struggled as a kid and 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 you know you can't feel sorry for yourself um uh, all you can do is change what you're doing, and, and hopefully the outcome changes. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, you get in this life what you put out. So I, I just went back to work, and, um, you know, everything, everything panned out so far. Were you close to getting drafted, as far as you could tell? Uh, you never know, but I think, I think, I think so. You know, I, was, I started getting a lot of calls in the seventh round and actually got a call from the Seattle Seahawks in the seventh round. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they said they said that they said we have back-to-back -back seven round picks and we're thinking about taking you. Uh, what do you think? And I was kind of I was really upset about how the whole draft went and and my attitude was very bad. And uh, I said I said I said I said it before. That probably wouldn't have took me either because he said that and I was like, yeah, that that'd be okay if you know if I went in the seventh round to the Seattle Seahawks and you know I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have took me either. But my attitude wasn't very good. Was that Holmgren who called you from the Seattle Seahawks, or is it? I, I couldn't tell you who it was. I don't, I don't even <laughs> yeah, know. <laughs> you were just checked out at that point in time. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's it's tough. You know, I, I didn't say I was a positive guy all the time, but yeah, uh, right. you know, sometimes. <laughs> well, so so walk me through what it's like on on game day for you. Do you do you channel all of what you just mentioned to me on game day itself? How do you prepare for a game for the Houston Texans? perform the way you do i'm actually very relaxed i like to just be me you know i'm, I'm an easygoing guy uh, i'm not all intense i don't ask you know people to slap me in the face or anything like that <laughs> i just good <laughs> i just like to, i just like to relax um i like to joke you know like me and me and a couple other guys are kind of the same way so we joke with each other you know just we just you know relax like to listen to a little music um I'm, I'm not too intense i just like to you know uh, stay as even killed as possible. Well, it certainly works for you. It certainly works for you. Uh, what? How far can this team go, Arian? Uh, it's very cliche, but I'm gonna say I think we can go as far as we want to go. Uh, we feel like as as if though we could play in, with any team in the league, um, and you know, we 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 beat ourselves every time we lose. Uh, that's what we feel, and we really feel that this coaching staff it, it has us going in the right direction, and we really believe in. And everybody that, that, that wears that decal on their helmet, uh, this is, it's a fun team to be around. Uh, the energy is very good, and it's, the season is still young, and we're, we're excited. Do you guys talk about what has happened in the rest of the division? Because that's the, you know, obviously us in the national media focus on how many times the Colts have won that division, and now they're flat out out of the mix. They, they, they may be even in the running for the first overall pick and how wide open this division is for the first time, certainly since you've been there, certainly yeah. since the Texans have come into being. Is that even being discussed in your, in your uh, locker room? 
I think you have to make yourself aware of it because in this business, you know, there is a lot of uh, what if situations at towards the end of the season. So you got to be aware of it. But I think this early, uh, you just have to focus on Sunday uh, and, wh- and whoever that next team is. So you can't worry about what Jacksonville's doing or or Tennessee or anything like that. You have to focus on yourself. And I think towards the end of the season, those you know those uh, you know what if situations start to come into play. Uh, but even then, you can't do anything but get a win on Sunday. You can't win two games in one Sunday. So you just, you just have to remain focused. It sure looked like you won twice last week, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, sure, it certainly did, and well, and and you had over a hundred yards receiving, a hundred yards running. Was that the best game you ever had? And I say that even though I know what you did against the Colts Week One of last year. Uh, it's it's tough, boy. I, I, you know, I believe I could always play better as a, as a, as a pro. Uh, you know. You know, there, there are games that I played where statistically it didn't show that I did a lot, but I felt like I played very well. So um, it was a good game, and I'm not, I don't really like to get into the whole was it my best game. I don't, you know, because then I, you start having to, you know, match your own standards, and I don't, I'm, I don't know. That's too much for me. No, I don't want to. Put, I'm, <laughs> I, I, this, is, this, this should be light lifting. I don't want to put you in a tough spot, you know. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Uh, how is Andre Johnson? Do you think he's going to play this week? Uh, I don't know, man. I really, I really don't know. Uh, you know, hamstrings are tricky. I, I know them very well. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the free world knows your hamstring very well. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> I have a very famous hamstring. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's there's no telling. You know, I know he he's um, he's a hard worker and he's been rehabbing hard. And uh, like I said, I, I think he's the best player to suit up in the NFL uh, today. And, you know, we're, we're a different team with them, so I'm looking forward to him coming back. So you will not be tweeting out a photograph of his hamstring? Is that what you're essentially I, saying to me right now, Aaron? Pr- probably not, but I, I snuck a picture of his MRI oh. for my purposes. Oh, you did, but you're keeping that no, under your hat. You're keeping that under your hat. Okay, very good. Because I, I don't know about if you're, if you're aware, I, I could relate to what you tweeted out about the anti-awesome, how the white stuff was anti-awesome, except the white stuff uh, that's anti-awesome about me is my entire body. Aaron, you know what I mean? It's not uh, just one except, little... Not, except the CAT scan, right? The, yeah, of course. Up here. There you go. Oh, that's, there you go. That's, well, this is what I refer to as the moneymaker. Yeah, you know, I got you. You know what I mean? I it, it's just one yeah. whole... It, see what I mean? I, 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 you know, I figured you'd understand. You know, this, it's just a whole package, but it's, a lot of it is anti-awesome, that's for sure. I got you, man. You did. You ran a uh, forty at the combine <laughs> once, didn't you? I saw that. Yes. That was, yeah, that's, that's what I mean that, by anti-awesome. You that know? was a whole bunch of anti-awesome right there. <laughs> that, was, that was, yeah, that was the mother of all anti-awesome. Although I, I am, an, I, I am, I am uh, like a fine wine, though. I might get under six seconds this year if you have any tips for me. Um, try not to run in slacks, man. They, they restrict your knee lift. <laughs> yeah. But that's the whole. That's the whole thing, though. You know, like if I ever step up there in like spandex, or I, then I'll have jumped the shark. You know what I mean? I don't G- think that. Give it a try. Go ahead and go through a warm up. You know, get you some nice athletic gear, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, give that a try, man. I might do that. I, certainly, if you give me any tips, I, I'll, I'll go out there with that, Aaron. You know, like any I, physical I'll, tips. I'll, I'll DM you because you know I follow you on Twitter. No, you don't. I don't know. Now, wait a minute. You don't. Are you saying you're going to start? Is that what you're saying I, I, right now? I, I, I'm going to click the follow button on Rich Eisen. Okay. At Rich Eisen. Because I follow you all the time. You And you seem, the things that you tweet out, Arian, is it's unlike, in, in all seriousness, unlike any anything else that, that 
that's being tweeted in the NFL. It, there's a lot of deep stuff that you tweet out there. You've gone at, you've gone at, I mean, you went right at Colin Coward uh, a few <laughs> weeks ago. And you, you've gone uh, against, you know, you, you, you speak from the heart. And I'm wondering, what, what's your philosophy when you grab that, that device, that, uh, that computer, when you start tweeting this stuff out? Uh, really, man, it's, when I was a little kid, uh, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and the, the closest thing we had to a professional team was the New Mexico Lobos. And I remember standing outside uh, waiting for an autograph, and a guy looked at me, and I was passing, and he looked at me like, anyway, and I, mm-hmm. and I was just kind of just standing there, and he, he made me feel so small. And I always told myself that I would never do that to, to fans if I ever had any. So the whole thing with Twitter is, you know, it gives you a chance to uh, interact with your fans. Um, and so I try to be as open and honest with people as I can and uh, just kind of share my worldview with people and, and um, you know, just kind of spread light, man, because in, in this world and in this, uh, you know, social media age, uh, there's a lot of negativity that gets a lot of publicity. So all I try to do is just give a little light to the world. And, um, you know, they don't, they don't publicize all the good stuff. Everybody just tweets about my, my MRI tweets and... And, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, plus, you, when you when you you went at some people who I guess it must have been when you were when you were hurt, uh, you tweeted about those who were seriously concerned. I'm doing OK and plan to be back by opening day for those worried about your fantasy team. You people are sick. Yeah. Is how you is how you wrote back. Uh, do you get a lot about what what your fantasy value is and what you did for somebody's fantasy team that must fill up your 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 inbox? It does. It does. I say about a good 60% of, of, <laughs> of what people are mentioning me is, is uh, fantasy football. But I get, a, I get a bad rap because people think I hate fantasy football players. I don't. Um, I just think if you really, honestly, truly in your heart of hearts care more about your fantasy football than a grown man with a family and a child who's, who's just trying to do what he dreamed of when he was a child, that's a little weird to me. That's that's all I meant by that. Man. Right. Well, Mariucci's got you against me this week. So if you if you wouldn't mind uh, going a little light on the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe even take a knee on the one. I mean, MJD did that a couple of years ago to win a game. You know what I mean? If that's if, if, if that's at all possible, I'd appreciate it. If if uh, if the situation in the game comes down to that, I'll, I'll do that for you. Now, see, I'm one of those sick people. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I think I should start. I should. I should start making shirts. You know, I'm one of the sick ones. That might sell. You know. Hey, listen. That I'm trying to sell. leave you in a better place. That's what this podcast <laughs> is all about. It's about. It's about raising boats and getting to know people and leaving them in a better place. Arian, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And you, uh, keep on being the dual threat that you are. I appreciate you having me, man. You bet. That's Arian Foster of the Houston Texans, Pro Bowl running back, and now one of my followers on Twitter. Here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light, I always like to show how expansive the fan base is in the National Football League. And I think this is going to prove just that as one of the top coaches of college basketball joins us right now live on Skype from Lexington, Kentucky, the two-time Naismith Coach of the Year and Coach of Kentucky Basketball, John Calipari, joining me. How are you, Coach, Cal? Rich, how have you been? I'm fine. I, 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 it's been a while since we saw each other and talked to each other. I think you were, you were Coach of the Nets when I met you at an ESPY years ago. That's been, yeah, that's been that long. They, did you know they fired me? Did anybody <laughs> remind you that? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I, bad memories. What are you doing? We just started this no, thing. Oh, come on. It's good memories when I when we used to hang out and talked and, and it's been a while. And so I'm, I'm appreciative of you uh, coming on and talking some ball with me here on the on the podcast. Thanks for doing that. 
You're welcome. Yeah, so you're a Pittsburgh guy, right? Well, I'm sitting at a table in my office, mm-hmm. and I've just got a pulse. my table. Your Steelers helmet. And it's signed by Terry Bradshaw. It's signed by Mike Tomlin. I got some more signatures I got to get on that. But when you walk in my office, yeah. that's the first thing you see. So you were, you were a big uh, Steel Curtain guy. Back in the day, I was um, when you know Terry Bradshaw and all those guys. You think about that, Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris. I got a picture on my wall of Franco and I, uh, Lynn Swan. I mean, you think about those teams. Chuck Knoll coaching them. It was unbelievable. Tony Dungy was on those teams. Yes, so, he was. Yes, they were. They were. And this year, I didn't get to go to training camp because I was coaching the Dominican Republic national team, which I'm. I was uh, trying to find a Sunday where we only practice once where I can try to get up there and see them play. So you go to Latrobe most summers? Uh, at, one, at least one, one or two days I go up to Latrobe. No kidding. No question. So what, what do you do when you're there? Well, I'm, I'm hanging out and watching tape sometimes before we watch some tape. Then I'll go down and I'll bring some friends up. There's, you know, when you can bring a Steeler fan mm-hmm. to Latrobe and then be beyond the ropes where you're down on that field, <laughs> yeah. oh, they'll give kidneys to you for that kind of stuff. So I'd love to get so, your, yeah, I'd love to get your take on Tomlin. What, what's your take on Mike Tomlin and his coaching style, coach? Unbelievable. A player's coach. Yet if you're around him, a competitive spirit and zeal to win, knowing the tradition of the Steelers, um, uh, just a, a, someone that you would want to have him lead you up that hill. We're going to bat on he's out front. I'm just telling you. And a great basketball guy. He loves basketball, too, which makes me even like him even more. <laughs> he is he is a special coach, I can tell you. Yeah, and, and of all places for him to take over in a situation, uh, I mean, that was, that's not easy. When you're a part of an organization where you've got Noel and then you've got Cowher, basically Ooh. for the last 40 years, and then he steps in there, that, that is definitely some large shoes to fill. You have to want that to be in that position, and he wasn't afraid of it. The second thing I'll tell you with him, uh, when you watch his guys respond, he's always going to be behind his players. He's never going to blame anybody. He'll take responsibility. Um, and, and, again, he didn't shy away from it. Um, you know, he said, let's go. Let's get this thing going. He's, I'm telling you, he is special. Not, he's terrific at what he does, but he's special. What do you think of Big Ben and, uh, and his abilities, Coach? Oh, he's 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 a special quarterback. You know, he went through some issues there and dealt with them. Uh, the organization dealt with them. And what you have now is a seasoned guy who understands that. Look, look, playing for the Steelers is like playing for the Red Sox. It is, or like playing for Kentucky basketball. That's Notre Dame football. Um, the Lakers. Um, I mean, it's it's a Boston Celtic. It's different. And you know what? To, to be in those situations, you're held to a higher standard. Um, you're, their expectations are beyond the norm. And the fan support and scrutiny is like no other. So what do you think of this year's Steelers? They're 5-2 and two now, Coach. And uh, they got spanked the first week. And they have won five of six since then. How, how do you see this season for the current Steelers playing out? I don't know. I mean, I, I think they'll do fine, and I think they'll be in the hunt at the end to try to, you know, do that Super Bowl thing again. They'll be in the hunt, 
And that's all you want as a coach. You just want your chance. You want to be up at bat. You want the kind of team that can do it. There's no guarantees in this. I mean, when you're starting to talk one and done, someone on the other team could go nuts like a quarterback or a running back. Or all of a sudden, there's a guy that just a linebacker that makes seven plays out of his mind, and you lose. I mean, that's one and done. That's what happens. But I will say this. They will be up at bat. The greatest thing, and this is what happens with great teams, they get spanked. Don't be the next couple opponents. <laughs> Don't be those guys. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They came back with a vengeance, and, and they knew you know, they got roughed, and they came back. Obviously, you've got a lot of other things going on in your hands uh, with a Kentucky basketball season starting up. How how, uh, how how do you spend a Sunday? Do you take time to watch the Steelers specifically? Do you watch other games? How how much time can you just be a fan of the National Football League on a Sunday? Right now, I can't be because we practice twice on Sunday. <laughs> so in, we'll, we'll go 10 to 12, something like that. The players all come over the house and eat and hang out. Uh, They lay around for a while. We wake them up. We get back over to the gym at 4 o'clock and go till 6. So in between, I'm watching practice tape to see what we did the practice before. So these first few weekends Mm -hmm. are the roughest weekends for me as far as time. We also have recruits on campus a lot of that time. So now not only I'm getting up for breakfast, I'm with the recruit, I'm doing this, I'm watching tape afternoon, I'm with their families. Practice again, dinner with the regret, just 10 o'clock. <laughs> what happened today? Did he, whoa, did someone play a football? So right now I can't. But when we get to be, back to where we're going once on Sunday, yes, absolutely. So, But I, I'm still sure you saw what happened with Jim Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh with the handshake after the Lions-Niners game, right? I'm sure you saw a tape I of that. I did not see it. I know it's crazy. Really? But I talked to Tommy Crean about it mm-hmm. because they're brother-in-laws. Right. And uh, we talked just briefly. I said, what the heck happened? And he told me. Um, what I would say is football coaches are going to start doing what basketball coaches do in the NBA. The game ends and you look over at the guy and you give him one of these. <laughs> you and just go to your locker room. But I don't like that. Oh, That's not I, – I don't like that, though. I, I, I like well, that they shake hands. The NBA – I was ready to go down and shake the hand my first game. I'm, you know, it's over and I'm going down and they grab me. You don't do that here. Why? We don't, we just wave. Oh, I gave him a little wave. I started the presidential wave. Win or lose, you gave the presidential wave and you walk. So maybe they do that in football. I don't know. No, see, but I, I hope they don't do that. And that's what I don't like about the NBA as opposed to college hoops. You know, I mean, sometimes you would, you'd see NBA head coaches walking off with five seconds to go. They're already halfway up the tunnel knowing no, that no, the game is now, over. They, they, they acknowledge the other coach. They do all the time? Oh, yes. They give the and wave? They give a nod and a wave? When I was in that league, before the game, if I knew the other coach, we were together in the back talking and how's it going. And okay. I can remember sitting back there with Nelly, you know, and him telling me this and this and that and that. We talked. And then after the game, uh, you know, he wins by 28 and he gives you the old doop See you, kiddo. <laughs> you know, and you walk off. But right. it's I don't know where the rules started or where the where it started doing it that way. But when I heard about those two, I thought, uh oh, we're going to get to where we're. You just, I acknowledge you, you acknowledge me, and we roll. But I, that's, again, why I like about college basketball is that at least you guys meet half court or on the way out of the What's tunnel. Now, after the game, I've gotten some cold fish now. Now, what happens? Oh. Don't, give me. You haven't had a flyby? No, it's a fly. <laughs> it's a fly-by. I know you basically touch gloves, basically. Well, and- it is barely. 
I'm like, what did I do? I'm just caught him play and make a shot. And it's a, it's a whoopee. It's you're gone. And I'm, now there are yeah. times where if, if the guy is, you know, I'll grab his hand and make sure he can't run from me <laughs> because what happens is sometimes when they beat you, they'll pull you in and tell you what a great job you've done and you're really – and then you beat them. They want that flyby. Ooh, no, 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 no. Come in here. We're going to do this same. You have a, you've done a great job. Now, I don't do it very often. I'm just saying it's done. It's happened once or twice. Yeah, so so uh, how, how often do you get an actual real deal post-handshake, look somebody in the eye discussion – or exchange of pleasantries and respect and actually move on? How often does that happen? After I, I'm going to guess 75% of the time. Mm-hmm. But there's never been others, anything. You know, maybe I don't know the guy. He didn't know me. Or maybe, you know, it, it's been a tough rivalry and it's just let me get out of here. See you. Good job, baby. You know, later. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've made it a point. I work for Larry Brown. And what he always tells me is you always brag about the other coach. So if you ever hear me post game, mm-hmm. win or lose, I will mention the other coach by name, and I will brag about him. And mm. I learned that from the master. And, and he told me, right, and that's who I worked for early. You always compliment the other coach. First thing out of the gate. So I do that. I made a habit of it. Now, obviously, you coach in, uh, as you mentioned, uh, one of the legendary programs in Kentucky. And so many times we here in the NFL – Folks lamenting how young players don't know the tradition of their own franchises or perhaps even the league, the history of their game. How do you, with your players, make sure, certainly and sometimes that they're, they're, they're there for a brief time also, how do you make sure, how important is it to you that they know what has happened before them at Kentucky basketball? Here's the issue. Whether it's recruiting, whether it's the players in my program, they know three to four years before. That's it. I talked about Reggie Miller the other day, and people looked around like, who's Reggie Miller? No Reggie way. Miller? Now, there's a young man from Indianapolis on my team, Marcus T. He said, I know Reggie Miller. And so it's just how it is. Recruiting's the same way. They don't remember 96 or 98. Think about it. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a 17-year-old kid right now. Well, was he three, four? I mean, so they don't remember. What they do remember is the Derrick Rose, and they remember five. They'll remember four or five years. That's it. That's what they remember. So, again, we'll talk about the tradition of this program. And what hit, hits these kids in the mouth? We have 600 tents circled for five days around this building waiting for tickets to our first practice grandmothers with their grandchildren, people from all over the country. That's when it hits them like, wow, this is real. We have a big blue madness and they walk out and say, oh my gosh. I mean, then they realize like, this is serious. We, I tell recruits, this isn't for everybody. When they, if they're at big blue madness, I say, this is every home game. Can you deal with that? Right. Wait a minute. It's every road game, Rich, except they're against us. So can you deal with that? If you can't deal with it, wrong place to go to school. Yeah, and Randall Cobb goes from the, that, where he's seen that up front, to Lambeau Field. I mean, going from, from uh, you know, I know he didn't play hoops for you, but. Football's now, the same here now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they get 72,000 every time they play. 
So it's the same. And they're on it. They're on the recruiting. They're on, Yes. Maybe not to the level of basketball, but believe me, they're on it. Right. What about uh, going from, as you did, from the college ranks to the professional ranks? So many NFL head coaches have not succeeded at that. What is it? What's the difference, essentially, between coaching college kids and professionals, Coach Cal? Rich, when you're coaching college kids, you're coaching and you're teaching life skills. You're trying to get them to understand that this basketball's en- ending at some point, and you're really teaching life skills. Yes, you're teaching them to be a brotherhood. Yes, you're teaching them to be unselfish and work at it and do it, but you're teaching them essentially life skills. If one of them is a jerk, you counsel them. You counsel them aggressively. It doesn't change. You sit them out of practice. You, you're on him. You sit them out of games. And if he continues to be a jerk, you have to say, time is now. You got to go. Mm-hmm. Now, you go coaching the NBA, and you're coaching that same jerk. Okay? <laughs> He's now, and you start him. You get him 20 shots a game. You promote him in the media so you can trade him. <laughs> That's the difference. That is the difference. <laughs> you could trade him. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it it sometimes That's doesn't stunned. work. You're like stuttering now. I stunned you with that you story. Did. What, you did. You did. You did, Coach Cal. Because you know what I'm saying? It, it just seems that when you can't trade the guy, you know, even if you can do such a great job, you are media savvy. Uh, at CoachCal.com, you're, you're, you're a Twitter-savvy guy, you're a Facebook-savvy guy. Uh, not many head coaches can go ahead and get a guy traded, and that is where the issue is, is when you're in that locker room, from what I've been told, that it's difficult to tell these guys, you know, I have the ultimate authority here when they're making tons more money. That's no, what no, I've heard. That, that's, that's not true. The professionals in that league – are a ball to coach because they're professional. They understand. Um, now, not all of them are that way, and you hope you don't have more than one or two on your team, but some of them have two or three that are not the right way, and now it becomes an issue. I'm telling you, um, most of the players in that league understand, and they're professional about their attitudes and how they – NBA stands for no boys allowed, NBA. It's a bunch of men. And and like I said, I I enjoyed my time there and I learned a ton. Now, I got fired. But I'll tell you, there was great enjoyment out of things I did there. Yet now it's prepared me to do a better job where I am now and help these young people. Yesterday in practice, you know, we had four NBA teams here. I'm having guys and we're doing a whole lot more pick and roll now than I've ever done in my career. So I'm <laughs> on the court with those guys saying, what are you seeing? Is there anything else I can add to this? How can we do it? It's the greatest thing. The spacing that we use that everybody talks about in college basketball that affects how we play and how hard it is to guard. That's all NBA stuff. So it w- it's helped me as a coach. And, and I'll tell you, let me let me just give you the one and done. Sure. Everybody says, Cal, one and done and one and dons and. I'm recruiting good players, the best I can recruit. Don't tell me that Eric Bledsoe was a one-and-done player. No one knew that, but he came here and developed and performed, and because he had a Kentucky uniform on, he was the 18th pick in the draft, and he had the talent to be, and then he's in the NBA, and he's a top-10 rookie. Not only did he get drafted, he was ready to perform. No one knew DeMarcus Cousins would be ready after a year. 
if they tell you they did, or Daniel Orton. You look at the guys, what's happened is they've performed, and at the end of the year, you got to let them go. I'm not for one and done. I don't like one and done. But here's my point. If it were your son and he had a chance to be the one, two, five, seven, eight pick of the draft, you'd say he's got to go. If he's someone else's son, we need him to stay in school. That's not right. He needs to stay. And academically, what is this? It's a What if it's your son? That's oh, a different story. My son is going to go. Uh, the good news with our guys is they're loyal. They're finishing the term, which is why our APR is high, the highest in the SEC. That The stuff they talked about today, the, the president of the uh, NCAA talked about today, ours is the highest in the NCAA or in uh, SEC. Our grade point average, Rich, was a 3.16 last term. Oh. So, I mean, you... These kids that we have, yeah, I'd like to see them here for two or three years. I'd like it to be the old days where I had them for four years. Right. But these are the rules we're dealing with. Not that I like them, but we're dealing with them. They'll never go back to that, right, Coach? They'll never. It, we'll never it, see that again. The best that could happen would be two years. It'll never go back the other way. And my belief is it's not even going to be talked about in this collective bargaining. And let me say this. I hope these owners and players get together. I hope they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want them to play basketball. This has no effect. Somebody said, well, does it affect college basketball? No, it doesn't. Their fans, there's some crossover, but their passionate fans and our passionate fans are two different groups. So my hope is for those players and those coaches that they're back to work. So hopefully they'll come uh, – Cooler heads will prevail, and they'll start playing. Yeah, man. I mean, when we went through this in the NFL in the offseason, uh, that, that was no fun, and we weren't even missing any games. I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like to uh, be involved in the NBA right now, and there's no games. And, and in the NFL, too, I, I guess the, pot, the, the one thing with the NFL is you can't really have one-and-done guys in the college ranks, even just because of the rules. I mean, it is such a, a physical game. Uh, I mean, an 18-year-old can't play in the NFL. It's just that yeah, simple, you, no matter how skilled they might be. Yeah, you, you, you physically, you'll get hurt. You'll get hurt. But the other side of it is, does anybody have a problem if a golfer or a tennis player goes right. and starts being professional after a year? I've not heard that argument. Like, that's not right for college kids. And I, all I'm saying is, look, the rules the way they are, I'm never going to hold a young man back. If he's supposed to leave, you know what I told Tyreek Evans? Tyreek came in to me. He just got 33 points against Missouri, and we lost. Mm-hmm. Came in, and he willed us to be in that game. It was incredible effort. I knew at that point he was a top-five pick. I didn't know he'd go on to be rookie of the year in the NBA after one year, but I knew he was a top-five pick. And he looked at me and said, what do you think I should do? This is right after the game in my hotel, and he'll tell you. I said, if you want to do what's right for you and your family, put your name in that draft. Now, if you want to do what's right for me and my family, why don't you stay two more years? <laughs> and uh, he he left. And he went and was rookie of the year in the NBA. Right. I mean, not only did he go, he was ready to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had Terrence Jones, who after the season said, if I'm not a top 10 pick, I'm not going. I'm staying. Well, we did the whole combine. You remember I did a combine. on. It was for him to figure out, are you t- – don't – it's not everybody says, well, you are top 10. No, well, let's call these people. This guy's not drafting you, that guy, that guy. So it's down to these two teams. If these two teams aren't, like, hot on you, basically you're going 13, 14, 15. You know what I said to him, Rich? No. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with 13, 14, 15? <laughs> right. I said, I want to be a top 10 pick. You know what? 
He is not the same player. If there's a better player in college basketball right now than Terrence Jones, I got to see him. He is physically, skill level is improved. His attitude, first one out to practice, comes back at night. I've never seen this in a play I did last year in Josh Harrelson, and you know what happened for him. Mm -hmm. So... It's neat that way. Well, before I let you go, uh, I want to hit up uh, CoachCal.com. Also, at UK Coach Calipari, over 1.1 million followers on Twitter. In the NFL, only Pete Carroll uh, has a Twitter account. Uh, I mean, there are other NFL coaches that may have a Twitter account, but Pete actually tweets. He sends out pictures. He uses it as a platform. And I'm wondering what you can tell me about your philosophy on this front is, Coach. Well, it, you know, in Facebook, you won't believe this. I have 300,000 very close friends. I don't know if you know. <laughs> yes, that they're all tight. Yes. And, and they're they're very personal to me. But it's a way of us connecting our fans. There's nothing I say that's not intended to the Big Blue Nation. I'm not worried about fans of other programs. I'm talking to our fans. This is a way of bringing our people together. Now, on the Twitter, not every one of them. There, there's some haters on that Twitter no, now, no too. Okay? No, no, Anybody, they want to, but what I would tell you is it's our way of bringing our fans together. Um, has it effective recruiting? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if recruits are on it, and I can't respond if they are. Like if they Twitter me something, tweet back to me, I can't, we can't go back and forth. It's against the rules as they are right now. I think that will change, too. But um, it's connected us. It separates us from the pack. It also, we get our message out. You know, there are p- people in your de- your profession, Rich, that try to define people. No. I'm going to just keep writing to define this person the way I want him defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to respond and define who we are because now you see it every day. You know what we're involved in. You know how we deal with things. And it's not what people say I'm thinking. Really, I sometimes think I'm running for public office because <laughs> it's not only will they say what I meant like, here's what he said, but here's what he meant. Then they'll come back with, well, I know what he's thinking. You know what I'm thinking? I don't even know what I'm thinking. How do you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> so much. now with Twitter and Facebook, you know exactly how I feel. Right. That's you know, good I stuff. Went and said, here's what I see the future of college athletics looking like. I did that about four months ago. And I went through the whole process of what I saw was happening. That's how I feel. I'm not, this is who I it's been it's been an eye-opening thing. I'm surprised more coaches in college are not doing it. Um, you know, most guys will say, "Well, you know, I'm that's I'm too old for that." Well, let me just tell you, my son and your son and his son and their kids are all on that computer. They're all looking at Facebook and Twitter and all that other thing. The social media is what it's about. I'm going to give you one quick story. Went, sure, we had a million people. Papa John's and, you know, John Snyder. And I said, how do we utilize this to for good? We got a million Twitter followers. At that time, I think we had about 600,000. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give them a code. If they buy a pizza from Papa John's, one dollar of that pizza will go to Kentucky Children's Hospital. I said, I like that. I Twitter it. You ready? Mm -hmm. 75,000 pizzas later. Okay, 75,000. Now, you would say, well, they're all from Kentucky. Wrong. 23% were from Kentucky. You ready? Every state in the union Mm -hmm. bought pizzas. And the money went back to Children's Hospital. 
You know how much he spent to sell 75 pizzas? Zero. A donation of $75,000. That's right, exactly. Right. I mean, it's the social media, if you're not on it, you're falling behind. It's just how it is. Well, I'm following you now at, uh, at uh, UK Coach Calipari. I'll be a friend on Facebook too. I'll be I'll be part of the three hundred thousand. You are a close but personal friend. Anyway, as I mentioned, I went, we go we go way back. And uh, listen, good luck uh, on another season of Kentucky basketball. And I'm going to be scrutinizing every single one of your post game handshakes, Coach. I want to see it. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. You bet. That is Coach John Calipari skyping in on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light. I'm thrilled to be joined right now on the Rich Eisen podcast, one of my favorite people in the business. He is one of the uh, the integral members of Pardon the Interruption, which just celebrated its 10th anniversary. He and Mr. Tony uh, are I'm, I'm big fans of theirs. None other than Michael Wilbon joining me here on the Rich Eisen podcast. Thank How are you, Richard. Michael? I appreciate that. Are you kidding me? 10 years. <clears throat> 10 years of Tony. <laughs> no, actually, that's more it's than that. Ten years of me and Tony. Either way, it's sort of probably hard to take for somebody. I know. And uh, did you ever think you'd get to ten years, Michael? You know, once we got started, I'm not going to be falsely modest about it. Once it got started, and I thought, you know, you know, there's some elements of Cisco and Ebert, or you know, some odd couple, <laughs> Oscar and Felix. To this, people may care. And so, you know, uh, Cramden and Norton. I, I thought. I didn't know whether people would care. I thought we could do it, but, you know, you never know whether people want to watch it. And so, but once he got started, I thought we had a shot. Let me hit you up with some uh, NFL topics to get your thoughts on this. Tim Tebow, can you explain the phenomenon that is Tim Tebow, Michael? Yeah. Um, He's got a charisma that people identify with. And it has nothing to do with football. And people who watch college football don't have any idea what pro football is about at all. And so he built this following at a time where, you know, let's face it, most football players are completely anonymous. They're behind helmets, and people know quarterbacks, sure. But this kid, is he, he comes across at a time where people are tired of, you know, reality TV schmucks in their face. <laughs> this kid comes across as legitimately wholesome without being preachy about it. He's a tough kid. He's a bright kid, good-looking kid. And he's, you know, I know I've got to know him, and he's genuine. And it comes across when people want him to succeed, and they don't know whether he can play or not. And you know, I, but it's an interesting phenomenon. People want him to succeed, and whether he will or not is going to be a really interesting storyline in this NFL season and probably next year too. Maybe he should just start the game at the two-minute warning of the second half. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or maybe now I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Maybe also NFL coaches should not be. And I'm I'm going to paint with a very broad brush here, Rich. Mm-hmm. Maybe they shouldn't be so stuck in the 1950s about what a quarterback should look like or be like. Why, not, why can't you use two? You got two and three of people every other position. You know, you got nickel backs and dime backs. Why can't you use two quarterbacks? Why can't one of them stand in the pocket and throw like Kyle Orton? And why, why can't one of them, you know, move around and maybe he doesn't throw as well, but would lead men like Kyle Orton, like 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 Tim Tebow? Well, the, the, I, I'll give you the answer that I've heard in my job, and I've asked that question of all the coaches, including Mariucci. He says it just can't work, that that all teams must coalesce around one guy. The last team that attempted it was uh, Ken Wisenhunt. Remember, he he had uh, Leinert between the 20s, and Kurt Warner was basically his Rivera. He, had, he brought him in to close a drive out, and even when that uh, was so successful, he just put Warner in between the 20s, and they made the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the Cowboys 
uh, went fairly deep into the playoffs using two quarterbacks, you know, way back. And actually, it was Starback and Morton, right. who were the two. I'm not. I know it's hard, and I, and I love listening to the, all the analyses of, of, of Coach Mariucci. And I want to talk to him about this some more. I just think. You know, I know it's not conventional, but you know the NFL need to not be bound by convention all the time. They've got there ought to be a place for for Tim Tebow's talents. I mean, he has value, and and I think that this is what people don't understand. And you know what? Maybe legitimately so. Packers in a bye week. Uh, can anyone beat them? You think, Michael? Yeah, yeah. I don't, to me, when it looks too easy, it's too easy. It's not. You know, we're not there. We're not fully there. I mean, we saw the Patriots do it, and they got all the way to the end and could easily have won that game. But they were struggling the last three or four, five weeks, actually. I remember going to several games during that that run of the Patriots, and they were, they struggled with the Jets, and they struggled with Baltimore. I, I, I think the Packers have some struggles coming up. And I think that the best, look, they're clearly the best team, Rich, clearly. But you know what? I mean, being the best team at the end of October, I don't know that that's always the best thing. Did we just see this with the, we've seen this with the Colts a couple of times. Um, I, I think there's some difficult games the Packers have in front of them, and it wouldn't hurt them to lose now, you know, in early November and get past the question of can they go undefeated and all of those sorts of things. But I just think the Packers have some tough games ahead. What do you make of the Colts here uh, while we still talk about them, while they're Ooh. still somewhat on, on, the, on the, the list of being relevant uh, based on what we saw on Sunday night? That was brutal. And, and, and how much – I mean, I know Peyton's not there, but – um, that they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't do anything right. And 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 the question is, a lot of people are saying is, are the Colts built properly? You know, where, where if you lose one guy, that everything they, they falls were, apart. They were built properly. They were built properly for that guy. And obviously, Polian's built teams have gone to Super Bowls in different ways. Obviously, the the the, the Buffalo Bills, his Buffalo Bills, were not built that way. They plugged in Frank Wright when Jim Kelly was out, and they just kept right on trucking. So it's not like he can only build a team one way, but that team is dispirited. You know, they're dispirited. They, they, you know, they're sort of a depression, if you will, because they knew going in that this guy was the most important guy to them. And people say, well, he doesn't affect the defense. That's, that's lazy. Of course he affects the defense because his defense isn't even on the field because he's out there so much. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the Colts don't have to go, you know, three plays, 86 yards and score. They eat up chunks of time and yardage, and it can be out there for 14 play drives. And instead of the other guy being dispirited, now it's the Colts being dispirited. And this notion that they were going to plug somebody else in and, oh, Kerry Collins learned the system, I wasn't buying any of that. And um, I, I, it's, it's, it's shocking not that they're losing, but to see them lose 62-7. to but I don't think it's going to turn around. I mean, they may, may win a game or two, but I think I think they're stuck with what they've got until Peyton Manning comes back or they get over him in the form that we've seen him being there, in the one fi- or the other. In the five good minutes I have left with you. See how I worked that in there for I your like show? I like that segue. Yeah, yeah. And the five good minutes that I have left with you. Uh, the Ravens. What they did on Monday night, I thought basically that may, maybe they were going to call you and Tony in the third quarter and say, "Keep some, keep some, keep some viewers for us here," because that was that was a brutal it was watch. Uh, it, was, it was brutal. They should be blamed for that directly. <laughs> the Ravens, the Ravens did. The Ravens set themselves back. They were an embarrassment. They were more embarrassing than the Colts. 
Well, I mean, why why would you say that? I mean, because I, I, I... They, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't account well of themselves. They have no reason to be dispirited. They 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 they, you know, tell you they they run their mouths all the time. And I'm I'm sort of I like the Ravens. They they tell you how what a contender they are, how tough they are, how they can beat everybody, and they beat their chest a little bit. They're one of those teams. That's fine. But then to not show up against Jacksonville, I mean, please. That offense, that's an embarrassment. It's just, seriously, it's the first setback. It's the first time that, that John Harbaugh's team has looked awful. They looked embarrassing. They looked, they looked poorly coached. They looked poorly organized. They looked awful. I don't know what they did during the week. They looked like they were locked out. But that was an embarrassing performance. And by the way, I'm not saying they won't bounce back. He's a, a wonderful coach, and I'd hire him in a second. But last night, they fell down on the job. They didn't do their job at all. They should be embarrassed. So who's the team to beat in the AFC? Is it just as simple as the Patriots and everybody else because the I Chargers so. stumbled in New York? Maybe the Jets. Maybe the Jets. I said Jets-Patriots. That was, that's my AFC championship game. I, I'd say the Jets. I don't ever trust San Diego ever. There's no reason to ever trust them because you know they're going to take a nap during the season. <laughs> And the Ravens can't get over their own offense. They get 12 points on the road, and they can't win the game. Because, you know, Flacco may never be the quarterback. We, we keep, you know, thinking, okay, okay, here he comes, here he comes. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what the problem there is. Something's missing. But I, I just discount Baltimore after last night. They're going to have to prove that they can climb back over some bodies and get to the top. So Patriots and Jets, I – you know what? Pittsburgh started to come on, Rich. They really are. And maybe losing the first game was was a really good thing for that club. Yeah, well, it's Pittsburgh and New England this, uh, this Sunday. This Sunday. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that is a good one. And uh, of the teams that have uh, – there's only three teams that have less than uh, multiple losses right now, one or zero loss teams, Packers, Patriots, 49ers. Before I let you go, w- w- how real are these 49ers in your estimation? I think they are. I think that – I think that they want to follow this person. Leadership's a funny thing. We talked about it with Tebow. I think you see it with Cam Newton. He doesn't know how to play yet. You know, hardly any rookie quarterback does. But they know they have a chance with him out there. And that's the way Denver feels about Tebow. And I think that's how the 49ers feel about, about their coach, about Jim Harbaugh. They know he may be a little nuts. They love it. I mean, it's, 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 and it's coming off of Singletary, who was a completely different kind of guy. And maybe difficult to play for. I mean, you hear in some quarters. I know I've had some 49ers tell me that. But 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 Harbaugh. I mean, he's doing it with the same roster. You know, it, it it really shows you sometimes. It's you know, it's a very different sport from professional basketball, where the roster is the roster and no amount of inspiration really. I mean, we see it occasionally. Maybe Phil Jackson takes over a team coached by Rudy Tomjanovich that can't make the playoffs. And he goes to the finals with essentially the same guys. But it, it's basketball. It's like oh my god, in football. You can make these turnarounds if you have a leader, and, and the leader of that team seems to be the coach, and he believes in them, and they believe in him, and it's sort of a hokey movie. But I, I think the 49ers, when they went out and beat Detroit and popped Detroit around a little bit, I, I think you know they really believe in themselves. they got some interesting games coming up as well that I can't wait to see. Well, if, the, if somebody in the East comes on strong in the NFC East and the Niners wind up being a four seed and the Lions are the five seed, that would be a wild card matchup with the Lions and the Niners. Not, I, I, you know, and I think that's probably – I don't think anybody's coming on to the East. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the Cowboys, are, the Cowboys are like Notre Dame. They're overrated every single year. <laughs> By every single person, <laughs> mostly people in the East, and uh, you know the Giants are the Giants in Philly any good? We know the Redskins aren't any good. So I, I, I just I think the Forty ers 
you know, I think the 49ers must be looking at this saying, let's go. I mean, we can earn one of these buys with, with Green Bay as, as this season keeps going. So with relative help, I think the 49ers could turn into the darling story of the season. That's possible. Hey, listen, uh, speaking of darling, say hi to Tony for me, will you please? I'm supposed to tell you he, he owes you a phone call. He forgot to call you. Some it's nonsense. Okay. Well, no, because, again, I, I heard you both on Dan Patrick's radio show because it was, again, the 10 years of, of – because I remember when it started on ESPN. I was there on Sports Center. And, you know, in in a way, the how in all honesty, I know uh, ESPN sort of wags the, the, the Disney ESPN was the tail wagging the Disney dog yeah. back in the day. Now it's completely reversed. I mean, your show was the tail sports center and the rest of the studio shows with a dog. It's completely reversed now. Well, yeah, have, it's, kind of you to say, it's the truth. I, I, first of all, thank you for the encouragement at the beginning of this, because you were one of the people, obviously, who who knew what was going on and knew Tony and I before before <laughs> we got into this adventure. And uh, the the encouragement from and I said this to Dan and I meant it. And I, I, you know, he and Tony, of course, had their stuff back and forth. But you and Dan and a handful of other people um, were great at the beginning. Uh, Warren Sapp, uh, who you are with, mm-hmm. all the weekends. Dion. I mean, they were guys sort of at the end or end of the prime of their uh, of their professional careers who knew we were thinking about leaving what we did for so many years to do this thing we now do, who without the encouragement from, from that group of people, <laughs> I don't know that it would have gotten off the ground. So I need to thank you as well, Rich, oh, please. For, for that. Don't I, we be much appreciate silly. It. Thank you. And there's very few athletes that Tony likes and wants to interview. I think Dion's one of them. Oh, goodness. You know? Dion, yes. Yes, he would. He would throw you over in a second to sit in the chair next to Dion. <laughs> I know he. I know that, and uh, and 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 Dion feels the same way. And about you two. And again, like I said, it, it's it's the most entertaining show on ESPN. And I say that you know with friends who do other shows on ESPN. Congratulations on ten years. I, I look forward to it being as fresh when it hits twenty. Rich, you're the best. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. I look forward to having you back, Michael. All right. Be well. That's the man. Michael Wilbon on the Rich Eisen Podcast. PTI, 10 years and counting on ESPN, joining me on the show. Another good one in the books. Love Michael Wilbon. Already can't wait to have him back. Um, Can't wait to have him back. Or what? Well, I mean, yeah. If I was uh, still working on ESPN, I'd have taken that performance personally, too. Jeez. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty. I, again, I, I was stunning. We talked about it with um, Steve Weich earlier this week. Too. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. I, I mean, I know Flacco's up and down, but I've never seen him that down before. That was horrible. He had the Pelosi eyes, right? As the Pelosi the, the eyes. Dennis Miller called it. It was great. And uh, next week's a big show, folks. A huge show. Adam Sandler's in studio next week. The Sandman. I'm looking forward in to that. In studio. He's got his new movie, Jack and Jill, coming out. So he's going to come and talk about that and, of course, his beloved Jets. Uh, Peter King. Peter King will join us from League Headquarters in New York, right? He'll be there on yep, camera. Yep, he'll be in League Headquarters. He's now podcasting. That's right. Ooh. We'll talk about that. He's a competitor. But we we, we welcome all comers. We don't, not, we, we don't, we don't talk not? competitors. We don't. It's not all competition. All boats are raised Remember when podcasts do well. And uh, and lastly, um, I'm, I'm honored again. I mean, he came on a month ago, and the reaction was so was so great. Um the legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer, is coming back. Fantastic. He's coming back to do the plays in the month of October and um, and and talk some ball. I can't wait to hear his take on, on everything. What are the Bud Light fan camps for this week, Chris? Bud Light fan camps, week number eight. This is Sunday, mm-hmm. October 30th. Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. uh, Indianapolis, yes. Miami, mm-hmm. and Washington, D.C. Okay. 
There we go. And uh, for more information, go to the Bud Light Fan, fan Camp, uh, Bud Light Facebook page. Bud Light Facebook page. And what do we need to remember? What do we need to remember? You must be 21 years or older to participate. And Mike Del Tufo, you're over 21, right? Yes. Okay, so you can participate. Way. You're in. You're in. Double. You're in, buddy. Uh, okay, again, Sandler, King, Brockmire. Next week for this show, thanks to everybody. Peace out. Stay listening.